Greetings and welcome to Modern Gnostic, Episode 9. My name is Brian Stanford. I'm coming at you from Asheville, North Carolina. And today I'm going to do something different on the show. Uh, About six months ago, I got an amazing book from Bishop Stefan Heller, and the book is called Freedom, Alchemy for a Voluntary Society. When I read this book, I thought it might be one of the most revolutionary books I've read on politics, or what I like to call esoteric politics. And we are awash in politics today. It's everywhere. It's almost like it's the new religion that people have. We have gotten to a point to where we can accept all kinds of racial differences, sexual differences, differences of appearance and orientation, but we grow more and more fanatical and more and more rigid in our political thinking. And when I first read this book by Stefan Heller, it blew my mind. Uh, About three weeks ago, I picked it up and started reading it again and found so many gems in it that I had missed the first time. Or it's one of those books that reading it a second or third time, just more and more uh, meaning is revealed. And I found it particularly pertinent to the current climate that we're in and with a lot of the issues that are being raised in the presidential elections. And so on this episode of Modern Gnostic, I'm going to read to you a short section from the book. And it is in the chapter called The Tao of Freedom Towards a Voluntary Society. And it is uh, the subheading in that chapter is The Social Contract State. And I'm just gonna read it to you and want you to think about it And maybe even more than that, get on Amazon and order this book. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So without further ado, I bring you the enlightening words of Stefan Heller from his book, Freedom, Alchemy for a Voluntary Society. I hope you enjoy it. The social contract state. The social contract state is one of the most promising philosophies of government ever to emerge in the known history of humankind. Its usefulness exists not chiefly in the economic sphere, as previously envisioned by those whose vision seldom extends beyond their bank balance, but rather in the sphere of the realization of the spiritual transformative potential that resides in the human being. At one time, in the days of the divine kings of ancient days, and later in the centuries of the alliance of throne and altar, the state itself possessed archetypal or symbolic power. With the coming of higher forms of differentiated consciousness, this Tao of archetypal potential passed to humanity at large. In our age, the state can no longer save the human being any more than a distant savior in ancient Palestine could do so. Men and women must save themselves. For in Jung's words, they and they only are the carriers of consciousness. In our day, the state must be a framework, a convenience for the benefit of the individual consciousness of its citizens. It is easy to see that the primary requisite of a convenience is that it be convenient. It is equally easy to see that most modern governments are not convenient, at at least not for the purposes indicated. 
Governments, almost as a matter of course, assume that they are called to control the lives of their citizens, that the circumstance of a particular group of leaders having risen to their position entitles them to regulate, control, and interfere with the lives and activities of the governed. As if the scrap of paper declaring a person to be such and such an official in a government would make a god of him or her bestowing superhuman powers of wisdom and insight. Such assumptions were perhaps in order in archaic times, when rulers were gods, but they are assuredly out of place in our day. When we were children, we spoke as children, and, we might say, we obeyed like children. To transpose the values and attitudes of the childhood of consciousness into its age of maturity, or even into its period of adolescence, is a grave mistake. Authoritarian governments, whether established by votes or by bayonets, are not different from parents who forget that their offspring are no longer living in the childhood of the human race. Authoritarian statesmen forget that what was acceptable in the days of the pharaohs is no longer useful or even morally permissible in our times and in our culture. In contrast to the authoritarian position, however, is another, which while seldom mentioned, nevertheless has much merit. It has sometimes been called the libertarian position, although other names could be given to it. The references here and elsewhere in the present book to libertarian have no connection to the political party of that name. One of the most simple and yet supremely convincing formulations of the libertarian position is contained in a proposed statement by a hypothetical libertarian candidate in James C. Ingrinston's A Libertarian Catechism. The candidate addresses the citizens as follows. You as a person are better able to control your life than I am. Your life is your personal affair for better or for worse, except as in the living of your life, you may impair or endanger the life and livelihood of others. No person nor set of persons on this earth has any logical right to interfere with you, except as you may do injury to them. The argument presented here is little short of irrefutable. What right could anyone claim legitimately with respect to another beyond the defense of himself or herself. If we as individuals do not possess such a right, why should we delegate it to an entity of convenience such as the agency of the state? In practice, this means that government should be in the main limited to the defense of life and property. It should not be a guardian of morals, a regulator of private or even public behavior, unless this behavior is directly and demonstrably harmful to the welfare of some citizen or citizens. Neither should government be a distributor or redistributor of wealth, a restrictor of freedom in the marketplace where goods and services are exchanged. A government that arrogates the right unto itself to manipulate and regulate the behavior of its citizens morally, politically, educationally, socially, financially, or economically is clearly out of bounds. In terms of psychological principles, this means that government should respect the Tao of freedom. 
Human beings are not on earth to be citizens or taxpayers or socially engineered pawns of other human beings. Rather, they are here in order to grow, to transform, to become their authentic selves. Whether a government forces a woman by law to carry a sephetis to full maturity without recourse to an abortion, or whether it confiscates another's justly earned profits by taxation or expropriation, it does psychological injury to the sovereignty and integrity of persons. It matters little whether in doing so the government is motivated by archaic theological notions of the precise beginnings of human life or by medieval notions of a Robin Hood-like welfare state. The consistent need for the curbing of governmental power must be seen as a psychological necessity, advancing the individuation of the psyche. What is needed above all is consistency in the universal application of freedom. It is psychologically inconsistent for a state to guarantee women's rights, but not the rights of wage earners and entrepreneurs to retain the fruits of their labors. It is equally untenable to demand freedom of religious worship and conscience, and at the same time to regulate by law the most private sexual behavior and preferences of persons. The key word in the entire field of libertarian versus authoritarian values is choice. Unconscious humanity was capable of few choices. The growth of consciousness, however, both depends on and manifests in the making of choices. We individuate not by fiat, but by trial and error. Not by being good, but by being free. The state or government must not only permit, but encourage this choice-making function of the human psyche. For by so doing, it advances the growth of consciousness. Jung has taught us that spiritual growth, expansion of consciousness, is hard, that it entails difficulties, darkness, and suffering, along with ecstasies, joys, and splendid vistas of light. It stands to reason that this condition, characteristic of the individuating ego, must also apply to a society in which individuation takes place. The state has to cease to envision that it can make itself into an ideal society without want, sorrow, and failure. Instead of pursuing such notions, state, government, and society must address itself to creating and guarding opportunities for choice. Where there is choice, there is growth, love, and creativity. Where choice is absent, even though there is equality, prosperity, physical health, and well-being, there will be minimal growth, atrophied love, and the vanishing of creativity. The great Tao, said the Chinese, is without form, yet it governs the movements of all things. Specific forms come and go, but with the vital surge of the Tao remains. The forms only matter to the degree that they permit the Tao to come forth and accomplish its never-ending work of transformation. Democracies, tyrannies, capitalism, socialism, feudalism, syndicalism, fascism, all are forms and structures that rise and vanish like a dream. God is not a capitalist or a socialist, a democrat or a fascist. God is the Tao, the way leading to movement, growth, 
consciousness, and choice. Through a thousand forms by way of myriad structures, God, the Tao, the Pleroma, seeks its own level of ineffable greatness. It cares little for politicians, presidents, and dictators. It cares only for consciousness. Mortals of human frame can do one of two things. Either they can resist or they can accept the Tao. Authoritarian government, like an alienated, arrogant human ego, is a resistor. A truly freedom-orientated government, if it were ever to exist, would be the acceptor, the choice creator, the facilitator of consciousness. Without coercive manipulation of persons or circumstances, without special privileges accorded from the seat of power, with faith and confidence in the human potential for consciousness, such a government would offer and guarantee only one gift, one boon, one promise, namely choice, the choice of freedom, which is Tao. That's it for Modern Gnostic today. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Once again, I would say get on Amazon or wherever you order and buy books and get yourself a copy of Freedom, Alchemy for a Voluntary Society by Stefan Heller. I promise you, you'll love it and find something in there that changes your life and changes your mind. If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy the show, be sure to like it wherever you're listening, share it, subscribe, let people know about it. Um, you can drop in on the Modern Gnostic Facebook page and leave a comment, reach out to me on social media. And I'm really grateful for you guys for listening to the show. I hope you keep tuning in and I hope you enjoy it. Seek the mysteries. Mm-hmm.